This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash local hustlers podcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash local hustlers podcast. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, your go-to source for connecting with small businesses and entrepreneurs in the East Valley. Get ready to be inspired by local entrepreneurs as they share their stories, mindset, best tips, and advice. And now, your co-hosts, Dallin and Eric Huso. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers Podcast. This week, we are super excited to be here with Alden Yako with Yako Law. How's it going? Great. How about you guys? Awesome. Yeah. Excited to be here. Yeah, no, we're happy to have you on as well. Um, before we get into to business, why don't you take a few minutes and just give us a quick little background on your life? Sure, sure. Let's just start from the beginning, right? Yeah. I was born in Motor City, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, then we moved out to Arizona when I was a teen. Uh, so we ended up, go, ended up going to law school, the Arizona Summit Law School, which is now closed. But I ended up graduating. I've been practicing for four years at my own practice. And I started out that way. I think a lot of people, that's not the traditional uh, route to take. But for me, I've never worked for anyone ever in my entire life. So this is the only route I know. So I ended up doing that and we've been doing very well. Uh, I'm a solo practice, but we've been doing very successful as a solo practice. And I'm probably one of the busiest criminal defense firms in the state, especially for being uh, solo. So I do everything by myself. Uh, I have some assistants here and then that help me out for certain things, but I take care of everything. Because I believe in when someone calls the firm, they want to pay for the owner. You know, you don't want to call and get, I mean, I'm not knocking anyone, but you don't want to call and get the person just graduated law school, take your case, right? If you're going to pay, if you're going to pay 2000 for a case, you want the owner, you're paying for their name, right? So that's kind of the thing, how I look at it, is that when people pay, they get me. And I always want to keep it that way. So I've been practicing for four years and thank God everything's been going good and hopefully better and better and we serve everywhere in, throughout the state of Arizona. Yeah, awesome. All right, so you grew up in the Motor City. Yeah. Uh, did you have aspirations to be an attorney growing up? How did that uh, that's a good come question. into play? That's a good question. So I'm going to give you kind of a long answer because that's life, right? Uh, no. When I was a kid, uh, my grandfather used to love martial arts movies. So he was just telling me, what? You got to do this. Go into movies, go into martial arts. That's what I did. I have a picture when I was five years old with my leg. Remember those old TVs in the box? My leg was there, I was doing a sidekick. So I got into martial arts when I was young, got into Taekwondo, have a second degree black belt, got into boxing, and uh, did all that. And then, of course, I don't want my face to become mush, right? <laughs> and then I have a, uh, my mother, of course, was not, uh, not the type that's gonna let me go any further than that. Mm-hmm. So we we're like, okay. And then uh, we always had to go to school. We, I come, come from a family that was always, um, you gotta go to school. You got to get educated. You got to go as far as you can. For us, school was always either you're going to become a doctor, lawyer, engineer. There was no other option but these three. So I chose to become a lawyer. I went to ASU West. First, it was initially go become a doctor. I tried biology. I couldn't stand. I didn't care about flies and anything like that. Bio 101 <laughs> was not for me, right? I couldn't even take it. Not even, not even 10, 15 minutes. So I was like, this, is, this isn't for me. I got to get out of this. So then I took a political science course, which is somewhat close to law. Mm-hmm. Took the first class, got an A minus. I was like, wow, that A minus is much better than that C plus in biology, right? <laughs> so this is definitely the route. And I liked it. And, um, and that's it. And I, and I finished and I went that way. Again, I was going to be one or the other, always. So Laura, I just thought was a better fit me for my personality and for school-wise. I think it just made it a little bit easier. And, and that's what happened. Yeah. So going back, uh, so you stopped Taekwondo martial arts, had to protect the moneymaker, right? No, 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 I stopped. No, I stopped because we, I had a, we lived in a brief stint in California. Okay. So when we moved here, kind of things changed. The, the gyms and the studios are not the same. Mm-hmm. They're the qualities. Now we have a lot of MMA in Arizona. But in California at the time when we came, the gyms were, here were not adequate at all. So it kind of stopped. And then you start practicing at home a little bit. 
but at home, you know, you can't you can't do it. So it kind of just went away. I used to do the splits. Now I don't think I can even get my leg up pretty <laughs> high. But 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 it's great. It's it, that's how I that's what I started, and yeah, it provided a lot of discipline. I think that kind of stuff. You get discipline from home. You get discipline from school, and you get discipline from there. It's the same thing, and it helps every aspect of life in school, work, business. So there's a, there's a lot of positives. Yeah, and I actually wanted to ask about that because we've had two martial arts and taekwondo business cool. owners on the podcast before and super impressed by all the things they shared about discipline and just the things you learn outside of the actual martial arts that, that helps you out in life. So I just wanted to see if you wanted to touch on maybe a couple yeah. examples of how martial arts has kind of helped you out in life later sure. on. Sure, yeah, I'm glad you're asking this question. Um, I'll give you a kind of a bring it back to being a lawyer. Yeah. Everyone... He's kind of a mentor of mine, and if he hears this, he's going to laugh because he always mentions it. Um, I'm always early to anything. Even for this podcast, I came early. <laughs> I'm always early. It just, if you know, I'm always trying to be early. I care about people's time, and I always don't want to say, you know, he was late, or he wasn't punctual. He wasn't right when he came. Always, always, I try to be first. So one time we went to court, we had a case in Gilbert, and I'm all the way in Northeast Phoenix. I mean, I'm not even... Or near close to Gilbert. And I think at the time he lived somewhere around there. I don't know. I got there 15 minutes prior to when the court. The date was at, at the time was 8.30. And I got there 15 minutes prior that he did. He's like, damn, man. How do you get here from where you're coming from so fast? Right? It's discipline. Because when we did martial arts, you have to come in. Even though Taekwondo is not the most, it's not the most usable martial art in real life. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of discipline. One of the things you got to come in, you got to be on time. If you're late, you get punished. Uh, they used to have this one school I used to go to. They used to give you like stars and you'd get more stars if you did well. It would help you in terms of, you know, giving you an award, stuff like that. Yeah. But you had to have your um, clothes, had to be fit, done right, your belt. If your belt was to the side, you were getting punished. You know, they make you do the butterflies. He's, and my teacher, my master, used to step, stand on my knees. Yeah. You know, if I ever uh, came late. So trust me, you don't want to come late. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so it taught a lot of martial, uh, martial arts, taught a lot of discipline. My mom was always like that, too. I had a mom that was always, you know, why didn't you get an A plus? You know, why didn't, like, like you know, A is pretty good. Why not A plus? You know, I got a B in this class. Why not B plus? So it was, it was always like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what made it all discipline. You get in from school, you get in from martial arts and you get it in life because if you show up uh, late to work, what's going to happen, right? The boss is going to get mad. You show up late to anywhere. You go on a date, you show up late. What's going to happen? The girl's gone, right? So it's anything in life. You got to be on time. And I think, like I said, like martial arts, I think is one of the best things that gives you that discipline. Yeah. Awesome. And did that also help you get through law school? I've obviously never been, but I hear it's pretty long, pretty intense. Um, did that discipline kind of help? Don't you believe it. it. It's not that bad. No? <laughs> I, th- I think I think a lot of people, you know, one thing I'll tell you about law school, it's very high schoolish, man. I think uh, people, they like to go in there and act like they went to war. It's not like that. Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> let me we, tell we've you never been, so we just have to believe yeah, them yeah, when yeah, they I, say it. Yeah, right? Let me tell you something. After your first semester, you guys are going to be a pro. Like, don't, don't worry about it. Like they used to say, um, you know, you have to brief every case before you come in. They, law schools might not hate what I'm saying right now. Professors are really listening. They say, oh, you got to brief every case. No, you don't. <laughs> Once you figure out the, how the system works, it's pretty easy. But um, yeah, I mean, martial arts, did it help for law school? Again, I was always early for my class. I always, um, always asked one thing I think good about martial arts, it humbles you. So what I mean by that is, even to this day, if I'm 95% sure of something, I'll still ask somebody for the other 5%. Because I'm still not sure. Unless I'm 100% sure, but I still ask for help. Every day. Even with some cases, I ask mentors, I'll ask them. And some people like, will be surprised. Like, why are you at, you know, why, are you, why not? So I think martial arts humbles you because when you go in, I was really good at it. And I'll show you guys a picture of the podcast. <laughs> but I was really good at it. But it still humbles you because I might beat up everyone in the academy, but I can't beat the master, right? Yeah. I can't beat, I could beat everybody in the boxing gym at my age, but I can't beat the trainer. So you're going to be humbled. So I think that's one of the things that helps with law school is the studying helps with the time. You know, like I schedule everything in life. So if I have a class on Wednesday, okay, I try to, I try to remember everything I learned that day. 
And I go, okay, well, I got next Wednesday, I got this class. All right, let me remember everything, write everything down. In the weekend, go over it a little bit. And then on Tuesday, go over it a little bit again. You get it. It's like it's like building. And I, th- I think that helped with law school. And um, again, in life, I th- really, martial arts, I think, is very, very, very helpful. Awesome. And so you mentioned that um, growing up, your family encouraged you to go to school. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a bit about you know, the influence that your family has had and the decisions that you've made in life and, and where that's led you? Yeah. Uh, well, family is very important. Uh, my family, a lot of them, they owned uh, like liquor stores and convenience stores, that kind of business. So they used to work really hard. And they work in, like my father owned an autoglass business. He had stores, stuff like that. So they work really hard. They're working 12, 13, 14 hour days. Okay. So at the same time, you learn a little bit about business. And then at the same time, they're telling you to go to school. That's what they're doing. They're saying, yeah, look, I have a house. I have a nice car. I have money. But you know how hard I'm working for this? You know, so they go, go to get your education. You could always do business later. Yeah. So we always had... They always had like a two-step, like a two-tier approach. And they would say stuff like, okay, business, I, I, I did real estate. I, I was involved in real estate investments prior to becoming a lawyer. So they always said, you could always do that. That's not going to go away. You could do that till you're 100. But how long, how much time are you going to have to go to school? How much time are you going to have to become, if you want to become a lawyer or a doctor? And it's true. Realistically, you could do it anytime you want. But the younger, the better, right? So I especially had a mother she's very goal-oriented. So she would say, you have to finish school. You have to accomplish school. To her, an undergrad was nothing. She said, what's an undergrad? What are you going to do with that? Well, I don't know. You know, no, you got to go tables with that. Right? <laughs> Dr. Lori Engineer. That, that's a, it's a Middle Eastern thing. So they would say, Dr. Lori Engineer. So you become a lawyer, then okay. Business, you go back at it. You don't want to be a lawyer now? You don't want to use your license? That's fine. But you have it. So now you could go back, go into any business ventures you want. So it's, it's, they kind of help you in terms of, uh, they're making you secure without maybe you even knowing it. Yeah. You know, you always have something to fall back on because their life, even if they have money and we've done well, still, it's always, their dollar is always going to be harder than the dollar I make. So they want you to appreciate that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like their 12, 14 hours, yeah, but my 12, 14 hours is still easier than theirs. Yeah. So they, they understand that and they wanted for, you, for me to understand that. Yeah. So I, that's really what I appreciate. I, I think parents and family, now you don't have to have the family structure to do well. So this doesn't mean if you don't have it, you're going to fail. No. But if you have the family structure, it definitely helps out. They give you, again, it goes back to the discipline and gui- you get the guidance. And uh, I think family is very important, just like with, with you guys now. For sure. You know, it's, it's definitely different than um, what a lot of entrepreneurs will tell you. They'll say, you know, don't go to school, don't waste your time, go straight <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it depends. I mean, if you were to ask me now to go to college, this is a good idea. I'd ask you, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. If you want to be entrepreneur, don't go to college. It's literally a waste of time. What are you going to do? Get a business degree? I'll teach you for business for nothing. What do you want to learn about? What business? Real estate? Yeah. You want to learn about whatever? Just name it. I'll teach you it. Save the money. If you have a father, he's in a business that you like. Let him teach you it. Find a niche in that business. What's school going to teach you? All you're going to do is write reports, right? So it's I, that's what I would say. What do you want to be? If you're going to go to school to get a license, a lawyer, doctor, engineer, architect, yes, that's a must. But if you're going to or become a scientist, work in a lab, something like that, yeah, you need the education. But I think anything in business, I'd say no. Do not go to college. It's absolutely a waste of your money, your time. Get working early. Find some um, an area of business you like. And start early. You could be a businessman at 16. Seven, I mean, as young as you want, especially now with the internet, yeah. right? Yeah. But get started early and talk to people that are in the business. And find the. I'll give you something. The richest people I know, the richest, okay? All they have is a high school education. The richest. Okay, and I'm talking about people with half a billion dollars, real money. Not when the economy goes down, they lose it. Not like that. Real money. The highest education they have is high school. And some don't even have that. Okay, so what does that tell you? So I would say is if you're going to go get a license, it's something with a license, nurse, doc, yeah, sure, go to, you have to. Yeah. But if you're going to do anything in business, do not. Unless you're going to become an accountant, of course, but uh, do not. And this is coming from somebody who has a law degree and yeah. is a solopreneur. You're, you have a solo practice. What, what 
elements of law school helped you be a successful business owner of a law practice? Or that might be a load of customer. You might say, no, there wasn't much. So could you talk to us a little bit about the influence that law school and, and how they train you how to think and analyze, et cetera, how that impacted you as a business owner? As a, as a business person, to be completely honest, nothing. To be completely honest. They give you classes. Law school is really all it is, is some, a really bad way for to teach you how to pass an exam. That's really all it is. You're really getting geared to pass the bar exam. So that's all it is. They have cl some classes, like I took a class called General Practice Skills, where they give you questions and assignments on how to run a practice. Yeah. But let's get real, you know, that's, that's nothing like real life. When someone calls you on the phone and they're saying, they're, you know, they want, they have a case, what are you doing now? Now you're talking about pricing. What does my knowledge of the law have anything to do with that? What does uh, my, how to get clients, how to market? What does that have anything to do with what I learned in law? And even when you go to law school, the most education you'll get is when you extern at an office. That's really what you get. I think the best thing you get from law school is that you could take some time going extern. You'll learn from the, felt, the, the owner of the practice. You'll learn a lot. What you learn from law school, I said running a business, is, again, that you do get discipline. You do know the law. You do get a lot of positive things like that. But in terms of the pure business aspect, no. There's a reason why it's called law school, not business school. And they, and it doesn't go together, and you won't you won't really learn much until you're out there working with someone. Then you'll feel out the the other attorney how they speak to clients, how they attract clients, how they answer to, answer them when the clients are mad. You know, you'll learn a lot of things in in that world of how much can a lawyer do, how much they can't, how they market. That's really real world experience. That's really how you're gonna learn yeah. how to run a practice more than anything. So when you first decided to go into law school, did you always plan on, on running your own practice or what was kind of the, you know, the journey that led you to do that? Yeah, I was always going to run my own practice. Um, I've always worked for myself, so that was always going to be the end goal anyway. Mm -hmm. I was going to do my own practice. Uh, plus, I had a professor once and he gave me his story and he said, when I started, it was in 2009, when the economy crashed, he goes, you know what? No one's hiring, right? He goes, so why don't I just do it on my own? He goes, let me just start now. He goes, I'm going to do this eventually. So why not just take a shot? So I kind of always, I'd always take little, you know, gems from people yeah. when they say certain things to either confirm how I feel or whatever. So I was like, yeah, no, that's a good idea. And I was going to do that anyway. But when I had someone else say it and he did it when the recession was here, I was like, that's a good idea. And it's different. I'll give you something small. If I work for a practice, right? And there's nothing wrong with working with a practice. I mean, I would, if I wanted to, I'd go right now. When you work for a practice and they call you, what are they going to say? Oh, Mr. Yock, let me speak to so-and-so. You know, the client's going to be in a little belittling nature. But now it's, hey, Mr. Yocko. Oh, Mr. Yocko, do you have time? See how it changes just because you own a practice? Yeah. So it gives you, it gives you a, lot of a lot of leverage and power. And you make all the money. You can run the business the way you want. And you can, you know, run your business the way you want. You can make money how you want in the practice, how you want to market it. And you have no one over you. You know what I mean? You dictate your hours, dictate the amount of cases you want to take. It's not for everyone. I would really advise people to go work for someone. Do it. Work for the county. Work for a firm. That's the best thing to do. But I had a business background. Plus, I'm in more financial stable. I'm more stable than most people, coming, especially coming out of law school. So for me, it wasn't that big of a deal. But I think anybody coming out, they should. They should go work for the county, uh, especially the county. They'll learn a lot and then work for a private firm. And then they could do whatever they want. They could either, hopefully in the future, they could open their own or they, maybe the partners give them a small share if they work, work their way up the ladder. Yeah. So if it wasn't school, what then helped you, whether it was um, you know, a role model or something new or some sort of course that helped you to start your own firm and be successful in, in setting it out, marketing it, et cetera? Okay, so who influenced me? You, yeah, yeah. Okay. I would say I have a lot of people. I take a little things from, I can meet one person for one day and take something from them. And I, that's what I would say. But most it's, it's my parents, especially my mother. My mother's the... She's probably everything. She always gives me, when I have a bad day, I mean, I know it's kind of, you know, you know what, are you, what are you talking about? But a, mother, a mother's support, nothing's better than that. Yeah. So especially in business, when you're down, 
you know, if they talk and I have, my mother also owned a small business as well. So she, she kind of could tell you, you know, sometimes I'm t- if I dealt with someone a certain way, she'd be like, you know, why don't you finesse it this way? Why don't you do it this way again? So I always got that advice. Plus through family, friends, um, they're all business owners. So always I give, I watch them. You know, I always watch from other people how they, how they work, how, how they s- succeed. You know, if someone does well in some industry, you know, I want to know about it. When I meet someone, if they do good in a business, if you have a landscaping business, does really well. I want to, even if I know your business, even if I know the ins and out, I'm still going to ask you, so how are you doing it? Tell me, tell me from day one. You know, a lot of people will say, I started year one, did okay. And then I went off to, you know, then I it got well. I went, no, well, tell me from day one, day two. How'd you get, tell me that. How mm. I like to learn like that. And I think, so the influences I got, to circle back around, it's really from family, friends, family, and anybody that's in an industry that I like, that I got to meet, that was nice to me. Anybody that was, you know, was willing to talk, I asked them questions, and I asked them questions, and I humbled myself, and I asked them questions like I know nothing, and I want to just learn from them because they have the experience, you know. So that's what I try to do. I think that's the advice I'd give: is be around people that are doing what you already want you're doing, and be around people that you look up to. You know, and, and then try to take from them, ask them questions about their business and, and you'll learn a lot. I love your growth mindset, always seeking to learn, always uh, going back to what you said earlier. Even if you're 95% sure, you'll still ask the question. I need question. that 5%, man. Still ask the question. That's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. That's great advice, great counsel. Yeah. So let's go back to day one uh, in law school, okay? And did you know what kind of practice you wanted at that point did you or or you still kind of figuring out like what do I want to specialize in what do I want to focus on what was that like for you day one well when I first got into law school no I didn't have a initial niche or area of law but what happened was so I just kind of used common sense logic I said okay and you guys might think this is interesting but I thought which class do I do the best at so okay if I do well at criminal law criminal procedure probably gonna be pretty good at it outside too if I'm in a class I don't like, I, maybe I do one class, but I don't like learning the law. Probably won't like practicing either, right? Yeah. So I choose what areas of law do I like. I do a little bit of business law as well for family and friends, but it's mostly criminal. And that's what I did. I enjoyed cr- uh, criminal law, criminal procedure. I did well in both classes. And uh, just I enjoyed it more. I thought it was more, it's more real life. I like dealing with the us versus the government. I don't really like dealing between two people because there's no logic with two people it's it's emotional one person's trying to scam the other person and it's not my interest you know if you're a business person you know civil litigation you might think is the best place to go but to me if you're a businessman in your heart you can't stand it because you can't solve it you're used to solving all the problems so you can't solve it when two people are bickering all day but in criminal law it's more black and white sometimes it's the state versus you and if there's a lot of gray that's where i got to navigate to help my client but it's them versus me, and there's no there's no emotions in this. So I like that part of it too. And uh, ex- again, we mentioned ex- externships. I externed at a law practice. Not gonna say their name. I loved it there. Everyone said this place was bad. They said, "Oh man, they're gonna work you like a dog." I outworked them. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you guys that I used to do stuff. And I, if like I said, if people were to hear this, I worked there, they'd die laughing because it's the truth. And um, the five days work, I get it done two days. There was some days where I had nothing to do on an eight-hour shift. So I think externships is another thing. A lot of people got to go to externship and do it at a small practice because they're going to give you a lot of responsibility. And that's another part of it. Why do I like it? Because when I did that mm. and I like the cases, I like going to court. That's another thing. Do you like going to court? Or do you just want to argue between people all day and file papers? That matters. So I like going to court. And I liked the practice. They gave me a lot of responsibility, a lot. And I handled it and I, and I liked it. So that's why I was like, criminal law, this is, uh, it, it's interesting. Yeah. And, it, and I did well in school. So I kind of used mm-hmm. that. It went back to, remember the undergrad? Well, biology wasn't working. So same thing. When I saw criminal laws working, I don't think I was going to get into family law. So. Yeah. And so uh, you're then criminal defense mm-hmm. as you're going up against the state. Typically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So could you give some examples just for people that don't know a ton about law? Like what are some some general cases that will end up in, in the criminal law space? Sure. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of cases. You could go from a, the smallest case is a civil traffic ticket. Okay. Right. All the way to a murder case. 
right? All the way to federal cases. So in my practice, we handle, we do a, a lot of things, but mostly it's, it's misdemeanor cases. Yeah. So we do a lot of like traffic, criminal speed. We do a lot of, a uh, ton of misdemeanors like uh, assault, uh, disorderly conduct, stuff like that. And uh, we even do uh, like drug possession before marijuana got legalized. Uh, a lot of class six, class five felonies at the superior court. We do a lot of stuff like that. So um, our clients bring us the cases. Uh, we pick and choose which one we're going to take on. But most cases we have is misdemeanor and low level felony. That's what we get. That's just what people call me for. But uh, yeah, so that's what my practice is probably made up of. And uh, yeah, we try to do our best to help everyone out. But it goes from, like I said, from anywhere from civil all the way to a murder case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. wow. So now you're probably a little more selective on the clients that you bring on. Uh, day one, when you open your doors, uh, you probably like, oh yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, whatever anybody who called or knocked on the door, you're probably a little more willing to take on. Uh, what? How do you filter your clients today to decide if they're a good match for you and your firm? I think. Well, we take a lot of cases. I take a lot of cases. In terms of which cases do I choose? I mean, honestly. I take a lot of them. I take a lot of the bad ones that get turned down and we try to win those and we do win those. It's not, it's, they're not all home runs. Like I know when I'm taking a case that someone turned down. I know. Like I know when someone's spoken to somebody else, I could tell from the questions they're asking because most, most clients don't have a clue about the law. So yeah. by the time they're calling me, they're telling me, what about this? What about this? Or I spoke to this so-and-so and he didn't take their case. You know what I mean? But I still, I still take their case, but there's some cases the only reason I might not take a case, it boils down to maybe the fee more than anything. The fee and the time. If I can't take, if I'm bombarded with cases and I can't take it, I'll refer it to someone else. But if I could take it, I'm going to take it. And the only reason I won't is because maybe the fee, maybe me and the client have a disagreement with the fee. And I'm, I'm very reasonable, but maybe we have a disagreement. Or maybe this person hasn't come to terms with what they've done. Because we, we represent people, we fighting for your rights, but listen, sometimes it's black and white. You did it. Yeah. You did it. I'm going to try to smooth the result, which a lot of lawyers don't like to say. You know, they say, oh, I'll dismiss it. The truth is, I like to give people the reality and hopefully get you a dream instead of tell you a dream and then tell you reality. Mm -hmm. Okay? So we like to smooth out. I like to smooth it out and let people know, like, hey, listen, you did it, man. This is it. And sometimes clients don't want to hear that. And that's when they don't want to hear it. When I feel like, you know, this is not going to be, this is not going to work at all with this. This person has no logic. There's no rationale with this person. I go, you know, I can't take this case. I'll refer to someone else. And then when I do, that person calls me and goes, oh, I can't take that case, man. So it's like, like thank, you know how many times I've heard, thank you for thinking of me? I've heard that a million times. So um, in the first day, I took a lot of cases. Yeah. I took a lot. I had people... But I had people call me for all kinds of stuff. They'd call me for f divorce. Like, guys, where'd you get my number from? They'd be like, Google. I was like, all right, what did it say on Google? There's a uh, criminal defense. Why are you calling me about your divorce? You know <laughs> my I mean? wife wants to kill me. Yeah, my <laughs> wife wants to kill me. Yeah, it's like, why are you guys thinking of me right here? But I, t I took some small business cases for family and friends that came through the door. I did. But I took a lot of criminal defense cases. And my first one was exactly a civil traffic ticket, which is the lowest case you could take. Yeah. And that's exactly what I got. And we ended up amending that charge and the client was happy on the first case. It was pretty simple, reasonable price. And uh, yeah, and we got it done. So it's been good ever since. Do you find yourself spending more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then you need to get in touch with Flamingo Pools. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green-to-cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools is there to take care of you. Here's a few things that makes Flamingo Pools stand out from the crowd. When you first sign up for service, they'll give you a free complimentary inspection of the pool to make sure everything is running smoothly. They'll also email you a service report with a picture attached after every visit so you know when your pool has been cleaned. They also offer a mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and get your first month of weekly maintenance free. 
That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. So you open up your doors, and here I am. I'm, a, I'm an attorney. I'm, I passed the bar. I can uh-huh. practice. Now what? Uh, how did you initially market yourself? How did you initially market your business? You mentioned you got that first case as a, mm-hmm. as a traffic citation. But walk us through kind of those early days where you didn't have the phone ringing consistently. Mm-hmm. And, and how you marketed yourself to, to really gain that reputation in the Valley as somebody that could be trusted and counted on. Okay, well, I think the first thing I did was, of course, day one, because nowadays everything's different. Brick and mortar don't really mean much. So what I did is right away I got on social media. I didn't have social media prior to having a practice. I still dislike social media today. But I was like, I have to get this. Yeah. So I got the Instagram, the Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Right away, got the logo, created a good logo, got everything up and running prior to even, you know, prior to doing anything, I had it all up and running. I didn't do it afterwards. Everything was ready to go. Had my headshot taken. Everything was ready to go. Right away, I started promoting it. I added all the followers you could add on Facebook. I added as many as I can on Instagram. I added as many as, I, you know, everything. And then what I did is, because I come from, I, th- I utilized your community. So what I did is, from like my, my church, I donated. I put an ad there. I went to other churches. I donated to maybe four or five different churches. I put the ads and I paid from somewhere like a thousand, somewhere five hundred dollars. I started that way. I did do Google pay per click a little bit, uh, it was about just a thousand dollars a month, you know, to start out. So I did all that, and then it just started little by little. And then someone from the news called me because what I what I was doing was. I don't like posting any personal stuff on social media. It's just, it's not me. And I would keep it directly about the business. So I post typically articles of something going on. Either look in Arizona, something happened here. Or uh, this celebrity committed a crime. And people catch their eye, right? And then I'll put something about, hey, call me if you guys need help with a similar situation. So then what would happen was um, I posted a traffic uh, report. And someone from ABC 15 a uh, reporter called me. He was like, hey, do you want to do an interview about this? Because we're having this issue. And then when I did that interview, I picked up a lot of cases from that. And so that's how a lot of it started. And then the community started giving me cases. And then a lot of times from the Google pay-per-click, they would call and people were fishing pricing. So to go back to what you're saying, how do you pick up cases? I said, you know what? I know what the prices are for these cases. I always went a little under. You have to. When you start out, you have to, you know? Everyone will tell you if I ask you, hey, what are you taking for this case? You're going to sell me 2000 I know you're not taking 2000 because I'm willing to go under. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I always went a little under and, and the results. My, one of my first cases, I took a criminal speeding ticket. And the guy was an older gentleman. I gave a little bit under what's going for the average price. He goes, he was asking me a million questions. I go, listen to me. I've done cases like this. Don't worry about it. I'm going to get this. Uh, drop down. Don't worry. He wasn't eligible for driving school and the facts weren't on his case. I was, but I was like, don't worry. I'll get this reduced. And then he get, he said, I spoke to another attorney and the other attorney said, why would you go with this young guy? You know? So I, this is what I was getting. I said, listen, I'm more reasonable price than anyone. I communicate with you and I'm telling you what's going to happen. Watch. He already paid me. He said, well, I like how you are. I said, okay, watch. Got the same result that the other attorney would have gave him. Then I said, am I young now? Afterwards, right? He said, no, you did good. I was like, see, you saved money. I got you the same result. So what does that tell you? Then I got another claim from him afterwards. So I get a lot of referral business, but that's how it started. It just, so using social media, donating to the communities, my church, stuff like that. And just, just everyone I met, Hey, do you need a lawyer? Do you have a case like this? Do you need a case like, case like this? I pick up one client and I put money in Google ads. Little by little you start. And then the referral business just starts bringing you cases. So that's how it happened. I mean, every day was different. One day you'd get a million calls. One day you'd get nothing. Yeah. But it's once you get that one, you got to do your best at it and then, and then market it. When you do well, market it. So that's what I did. I would always say this is what happened. And I keep doing the social media, posting stories. People like it. Uh, Instagram, I'll post something. The other day I posted about a guarantee with Chris Farley. You guys have seen uh, Tommy Boy. When his father gives a guarantee, mm-hmm. I post that. Because, you know, people always call me, can you guarantee a case? You're going to win? You know, I can't guarantee. No, no lawyer can guarantee. You know, you, you know what I mean? You can get a good look at a T-bone. 
You know what I mean? Like <laughs> in the quote in the movie. So I can't guarantee, but I use that. And when people look at it, it brings you in and they go, okay. Then it goes, and then I get calls from that all the time. So I keep it kind of lighthearted as well. And I, and results too. I got a lot of awards. If you look at, uh, if you look us up at Google, we got five star reviews. We got awards from Marndale uh, Hubble client champion reviews from them. We got expertise.com, uh, three best rated in 2018, top rated business. Uh, we have we got a lot of stuff going, a lot of stuff early, and it's all from clients. These are all client reviews, and it's hard to get them to leave a review in a criminal defense firm. And I, but I would tell them please leave a review. I mean, I'm starting the business, and and they would, and then that's how they do it for you because they had a personal connection with you. That's what it is, right? That's what it is. Yeah, I, yeah. I there was no personal connection with a big firm. No, but when it's you and you're the one answering the phone, and you're the one responding to them. You've developed that personal connection. Yeah, 100 percent. Trust me, they call me all day, every day. I mean, they pay me sometimes, and you know, I don't charge for it's flat fee, so I don't charge for an hourly. Mm-hmm. They'll call me sometimes on a Saturday, like at five o'clock. You know, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? You know, what I, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, please send me an email. I'll yeah. respond to an email. But why are you calling? But I answer it always, always, always. I answer the call if they call, you know, and they appreciate it. Sometimes it drives me crazy, <laughs> but, but they appreciate it. I always pick up my phone. doesn't matter the time. doesn't matter the day. As long as I'm up, the phone's getting picked up. And for them to ask me any question they want. And, and they, feel, they know that. Clients know that. And that word goes around because I just, like, I picked up four clients today. And it was all from that. Yeah. Same thing. People saying, oh, you took care of this person. You took care of this person. You're honest. They know you're going to try and it works. Yeah. No, I'm sure that you get a ton of clients from that, from people that are calling around when they feel mm-hmm. like they're treated as a person instead of mm-hmm. just, you know, another case in a big firm. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, because they're talking to me. I've had a lot of times people would call and then say, oh, well, are you the owner? You know, they think I'm maybe a secretary, you know? <laughs> I go, no, no, you're talking to them. And then they get shocked. Like, yeah. you know, they're, they're talking to the owner, to them. You know, to a client, it's, it's really a big deal. When, because a lot of times they go through the initial, you get the receptionist, you get the office manager, and then the office manager transferred to the owner, and then the owner calls you later and tries to close the deal. Where me, you get it right away, I pick up the phones, I enjoy it, because who could close the deal better than yourself, right? So I do it right away, and they they like it, and they feel the, the genuine when you're speaking to them, and the honesty, and plus I could, right away we could talk, what issues do you have? I had a lady today with 15 minute consultation. We finished our talk in seven minutes. I go to her, you know, you still have eight minutes left if you want to use it. Right? She started laughing. <laughs> right? So even though, you know, any other lawyer would be like, shut off the phone, let's go. Yeah. But I said, you know what? That's what I do. Give 15 free minutes, really. So go ahead. If you have another question, and that client, we signed up today. I have a lot of clients that call two days later, three days later. They'll call, and I know they're going to be. You know, they're going to be price hop, looking for price who's the cheapest, basically. They're trying to find, you know, you can't blame them. But I know they're going to call back. That's what they do. They always call back two, three days because they always say, we feel confident when you speak to us. We feel like you care. And that's why we're going with you. So, and that's in any business. If you have integrity and people connect with you and you really are trying and you really trying to do your best, how can you lose, you know? Yeah. We well, just mentioned something. You said it's it's the same for any business, and I'm I'm surprised about a lot of the things you said about marketing. I I would have assumed that you know marketing for law would be very different than marketing for you know a restaurant or a service based industry. Um, but a lot of things you mentioned referrals, rewards, reviews, Instagram, social media, paid ads. It's all very similar to everything else. And it goes back to what you said earlier about you know just just networking and talking to people, not necessarily in the same industry as you. But you talked about you know talking to a landscaper. And on the surface, you might think, well, what could you know, what could a landscaper help help me with as a lawyer? Um, but it's it's not just about the industry, but it's about you know the success that they've had. Um, and it sounds like pretty much any industry, there's so much crossover and so much you can learn from each other. Um, and it sounds like you know same things happening with law, where there's a lot of things that you've probably learned from other business owners and people in completely different industries that have uh, that you've been able to apply and and see some success for yourself there. Yeah, I would say, again, I would say learn from everyone. You can learn from any business owner. You can learn from employees. You can learn from family. You can learn from friends. You can learn from anyone. Uh, I'll give you a quick, uh, I, I got to give you guys this one. This yeah. little quick one. One time, uh, and if I'm being long-winded, let me know. No. One time, <laughs> one time I was with 
again, the same person, if he hears the story, he would know. <laughs> he would say, um, he was my mentor at this law firm. He was telling me, man, I have a hard day today. God, I'm going through courts left and right. And I'm in and out all day. I go to him, you're dressed in a suit, right? He goes, yeah. I go, can I ask you a question? He goes, yeah, go for it. I go, what did Jesus do for a living? Because he was a carpenter. I was all right. So he was on his hands and knees and working all day, right? I was like, you're a lawyer with a suit on. Walking into court. It's not even your issue. What are you complaining about? Who are you to be upset? Be tired? Then he goes, yeah, you're right. Change his attitude like that. So sometimes we complain. We constantly complain. But you got to be positive and pick up from other people. If I think my job is hard, you think landscaping at 110 degrees is easy that's real work right that's construction is real work you know so always you got to humble yourself you know yeah, i mean even me sometimes you know you, you have to and say listen my job is hard but it, it's nothing like this there's people that are less fortunate that have much harder jobs living paycheck to paycheck and doing much harder to earn a living than me and when you do that you appreciate the client more because listen, they're paying me. I don't know how hard it was for them to get, make that money that they're paying me. So I have to appreciate that when they give it to me. It's not just, oh, pay me. I don't need this law practice. You know, I already have enough. I've done well in other businesses. I don't need the law practice. Why, is, why are my prices more reasonable than everybody else? Because it's client driven. It's not about me. So we keep it reasonable. We try to do our best and it works out. And the clients, they know that. That's why I get so many referrals. It's not only based on the result, it's based on me as a person. So I think always put you is very important in any business that you have. Yeah. So, so how do you keep yourself so grounded? Because money can be intoxicating, right? Yeah. And, and the more money that you get, the more intoxicating it can become. And you can, you can forget those roots. You know, a lot of people uh, go into things with altruistic dreams and desires, and then you soon forget that. How do you personally keep yourself grounded to that foundation of humility and really serving the client, serving people? That's a great question. Um, I would say one of the things is uh, I think life keeps you grounded. I think I've always been a person. Life kept me grounded, whether I wanted it or not. So it's, it's, I'll give you like another one. If I found a dollar on the ground, I would lose 10 right away. So that keeps you grounded a little bit. You know, because it tells you that, see how something, you got something, but you lost something. And also my family, my mom always kept me grounded. Plus, I, I used to go to church a lot. I still go to church. Try to go every week. Keeps you, keeps you humble. And then um, you do well because we didn't start off. We didn't start off. I didn't start off with a silver spoon. We didn't start off with a silver spoon. So when you see your family, it's our family from the ground. Then go up. Not born up. So when you see it from the ground go up, you see your parents, you see your family work hard. It's always going to keep you humble. Now, did I have my moments when I was 19 and 20? Yeah, of course. Right. But even then, I, I still think I was controlled. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't I never put it on people or anything like that. I prefer always to be humility is very important. I always prefer to be humble. And plus, you make more money being humble anyway. You know what I mean? It's who wants to give the guy the dollar that everyone knows he's got it. Yeah. So it's, 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 it works and it's better for you too. You feel better about yourself. You're doing the right thing and it creates, doesn't create uh, you know, jealousy and these kind of things. It's very bad. So I, th I think way, way to do well is just try to do your best, try to help people out. In the end, nobody cares what you have. Really, nobody really does because when you lose it, they're happy you lost it, right? <laughs> and when you have it, they want to be around you because mm -hmm. they want to take a picture, but they don't really care. You know, they really don't care when you have it either, realistically, right? So all these things don't matter. So it's all about you and your family. Only your father's going to care about you. Only your mother's going to care about you. Your sister, your, maybe your community. That's it. You know what I mean? The, the cars come and go. Homes come and go. Money, clothes. It's all, clothes are like a trend, right? This year, this jacket's nice. Next year, it isn't. That's how, that's how life is with people. The only people don't change or your family, right? So I think that's the best thing to keep you humble. And plus, don't... Another way to humble yourself, always go help people. Like, I always try to donate money or donate time. Always. You know, still to this day, I'll, this might seem trivial, but you know how sad I, I feel every time I see someone homeless? 
I always try to give them money. Because that's if that's not a reminder to you every day when you see someone homeless, like that's that's real life. Like look at this person. You know, they're not doing well, maybe they're going through some issues. A lot of people will just drive past them and think, Oh, look at this. But no, that should humble you because your life could be like that. You know, maybe I was just blessed to have the structure of a family. Maybe this person wasn't. So I think that's one of the always the main things. And in the end, nobody cares about what you have because it's not theirs. Right. right. So always try to be humble. Try not to spend your money. Save your money. You don't want to be 50. And you're thinking, man, if I didn't buy that car when I was 20. How many times have you heard of people say they'll buy a Lamborghini, they'll buy a Rolls Royce, right? And then after a couple years later, well, they say, man, it wasn't worth it. That car wasn't worth it. It's such a big expense. But they wanted it for those first two years because they wanted to show a little bit, yeah. right? Learn, learn from people. Don't, don't learn from from certain things. Don't learn from experience. Learn from people, and always be humble because God gives it, man. I'm a very faithful person. God gives it to you. If you work hard and you're smart, it has to happen. But trust me, I know a lot of smart people, hardworking. Again, I know a lot of landscapers. I don't know anybody that works harder than them. And I don't see them, a lot of them driving a Rolls Royce, right? So you get blessed and if you work really hard and you have use your mind too. But it's it's not all you. Yeah. That's how I feel. So always stay humble because in the end, only your family is going to be happy. Everyone else, they come and go. They're like the weather. So always stay and you know, never want to be above anyone too. It doesn't feel good, right? Yeah. Donating a dollar always feels good, right? Always does. Yeah. I mean, I could buy clothes, look good. Drive a beautiful car, come out the car with a beautiful woman, right? Who's they're gonna look at me a little bit, right? Oh, look at this guy. Who's this guy? But that feeling goes away so fast. The feeling when you help somebody else out, that's the best feeling because that affected someone. That person's gonna always remember you. Where the other person, they'll forget you once you lose it, right? So I think that's that's and get off social media. I think that's another, that's another, that's a bad thing. Unless you're promoting your business. Unless you're promoting on, on local hustlers, yeah. Unless yeah. you're promoting, like, yeah, get off it because uh, that you know comparison is the enemy of joy. Yeah. So if you get off that, I think it'll keep you and stay grounded with your family, and you'll be humble. Comparison is the enemy of joy. I love that. Powerful, powerful. A lot of lot of gems and in, in what you just shared there with us with humility, family, God, money, hard work, money giving yeah like you just you just gave us a wealth of gems there thank you yeah no remember to circle back martial arts because it doesn't matter how athletic i i am and how good i am naturally the master is going to humble me really fast so that's what humble it goes back to that that's what humbles you because you could be the best maybe in this gym when you go to the tournament maybe you don't win you're going to be life's going to humble you so it's that's the best way to be anyway yeah do you have a role model that's kind of given you this positive relationship with money and, and this overview and perspective of life? Or have there been certain books or podcasts that you've listened to that have kind of helped you out and kind of develop the, the mindset that you have? I, I would say a combination of everything we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. the martial arts, um, my parents, especially my mother. My mother, definitely number one. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully that's what... she's listened to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, she already knows. Don't worry. <laughs> She knows. She, she trusts me. She already knows. Uh, I'm very public with it. So I think with her, a lot of people in my community, a lot of the older people, I love speaking to older people. I love it. I love getting stuff from them. I really don't even like talking to people my age. Older people, that's one another thing key. So you got to be with the younger people because it keeps you, um, they're more, they have more energy. They're, right? They're ready to shoot on something. So you have to be, you have to have like one one foot here, but you have to have one foot with older people because one, typically they have more money, right? But they also have the experience. They also connect you with a lot of people because connections is everything, right? And the older people have them, trust me. So, and plus they give you, they give you like knowledge. You get experience off them. They give you the sense of also how, like how to, how to be a man early. I'll give you one, like my mom, when I was young, when you used to go to church, Preteen, teens, always dress pants, nice shirt. You have to look good when you go to church. Always. This is how a man dresses. So I always had that. I mean, I'm not dressed like this all the time. But for church, it's like that. There, There is no, I look like I'm about to go to Dave and Buster's. <laughs> there, there is none of that. You got to look this way. Plus, I come from a Catholic faith. You know, it's very, the mass is very quiet. Again, disciplined again. So it's, 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 it's like that. We're getting it from every angle. 
And I would say just family, friends, and people that I met in business that I liked. I like them personally. I always say speak to somebody you like, not the guy that blows you off. So the person that's nice to you, speak to them. Build a relationship with them. Ask, hey, can I come over one day and just see how you... And trust me, you'll be surprised how happy they are that you admire them that way. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, come on in. And just go and can I see? You'll pick up so much from that. It's unbelievable. So that's, that's advice I would give is just don't look out so much. A lot of it's in. But if you're going to look out, look in your community and look at people that you like in any industry. Just go meet them. And go meet them and you'll get everything you want. I like that kind of one foot in the past and one foot in the future. Yeah, you got to be because now like I'm not on social media. So you got TikTok, right? I always <laughs> think about, damn, I'm losing a lot of money. Right. <laughs> be, like, you know, you know, I, I had friends and cousins like we're funnier than half these people. You know, I mean, these people aren't funny. Like I'm missing on so much scratch here, you know, like how can I, I could have done this, but you can't do everything. You know, you let it. And I'm a young guy, but still. You know, like that's, I mean, look at YouTube, like, God, I can make so much money on this thing. I got to just do some prank videos, you know, how can I make some money? But you got to keep, like, like we were saying, you got to keep one foot in because the young people are coming up Yeah. and in their, your age, they're coming up, they're more aggressive. They're willing to do stuff, but the older people, it's still in some, some, some industries, it's still the old boys game. So you still got to know, you got to know those guys and they'll give you the experience that you want. And when you want a loan, trust me, they'll always be there. Yeah. So. One more thing that I really want to touch on. Um, it, it really sounds like you've developed a passion for you know the people that you work with and your clients and, and law in general. Um, but you mentioned before the podcast that you used to hate the courtroom, that you used to try to do everything you can to, to get out of jury. So how did that, was that like a, a light switch? What flipped or was it like gradual you know passion that developed for it? Yeah, um, when I went to, you know, you get jury duty. I'm like, oh God, how can I rip this thing up, right? But you know, I... I always try to follow the laws best I can. You know, they, oh, we're going to come after you. I'm like, oh, I can't throw this away. So I got I to gotta go, right? And, you know, taking other people throw it away. I went to a courtroom once. It was in downtown. I go in there. It's dark. feels dim. I'm looking at the defendant. I'm looking at the people in there. Nobody wants to be in there. Everyone's coughing. Everyone, everyone has about to have a heart attack today, right? They want to get out. And I see the defendant. He's on a robbery. And I'm thinking, why do I care? If he goes or, you know, why am I here? I just want to get out of here. You know, I didn't like the, the, the feeling of a courtroom. It felt like nothing good could come out of this place. So I made a good excuse, got out, right? But then that was before I uh, kind of had that change in undergrad. When I got into it and I was like, okay, I can't do medical school. Got into doing political science. I liked it. Then I kept pushing and pushing. Then I start just paying attention to laws how laws really affect you start paying attention to that and then when i got the externship after i even got into law school the externship that really opened my eyes as well and now the courtroom is really nothing but in the beginning it's because you're kind of you know you're you're green so you look at something and i mean still to this day don't get me wrong the courtroom isn't it's not you don't want to be in there but it changes just because when, when you have more knowledge and more experience and you see things and, and you look at it differently like i want to help this person or maybe I want to go into law where I could help someone. It doesn't become dim anymore. Yeah. You feel like now I could shed some light in a place that's pretty dark. Love it. And and what does the future look like for Yako Law? Do you plan on um, expanding, or do you you know like the the path you're on of being a solopreneur and being kind of the only person in the office and the one that's going to take? Oh no, I love cases. doing it by myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I, maybe I would get more uh, staff mm-hmm. in terms of like paralegals and assistance and more reception stuff like that yeah we do hiring an attorney nope not gonna happen i already have a lot of other things i'm doing anyway i have a lot of other business ventures so i want to keep it this way i like that i've i have control over it i and i don't if i if a case loses i want it to fall on me i don't want to fall anyone else i don't want anyone say they had this guy or this gal and they screwed the case i don't want to do more management than i already have to i don't want to call them and say hey why didn't you why did you write that in the motion? Why didn't you file? What What did you do in court? How'd you forget that? I don't want to. I don't want to do any of that. I'd rather just do it on my own. If I make a mistake, it's on me. If I do well, it's on me, and I control every aspect of it. It's just I think it's a service business. You know what I mean? You're paying for that firm. You're paying for that guy, that girl. Who could provide the service better than you? Yeah. Even I mean, there's a lot of great attorneys you could hire in a firm. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. That's how 99 percent people work that way. But for me, it's just, I think just for me, especially now in this day and age, 
I'd rather have, I'd rather control every aspect. Yeah. No, I think it's a, a good reminder that, you know, we hear a lot about the benefits and, and why you should scale a business. And there are a lot of benefits and pros of that. But there's also the other side of it. And, you know, the control that you have as a solopreneur is also the best path for certain industries and for certain people. Um, and so, you know, you don't always follow one Basically, one path isn't for everyone when it comes to entrepreneurship. There's so many different avenues and paths you can take. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, try to keep it short, but how much money do you need to do what you want? So if you're a business person, if you have a law practice, but you're a business person as well. All right, maybe this, maybe this person needs $10 million a year to pay for a $16 million house. Maybe all I need is a million dollars a year because I'm going to take all that money and buy real estate with it. So he has a $16 million house. That's a big mortgage. He has no money coming in to make them without working. I do, but I'm doing it with less. So if you're a business person, you can make the most with less. I could take $200,000 a year and do a lot with it. Have properties with it, own shares and businesses with it. This guy's making, let's say, $10 million, but he's buying a bunch of Lamborghinis, spending $60 million house, going on lavish trips, blowing it. So in the end, who really has more money? So again, you could sc- scaling a business. Yes, it's very good. It's very good. But then again, also, what kind of lifestyle do you want? Yeah. You have people that are contract defense attorneys. They have contracts with cities. They make good money. They have a ton of contracts. They they do well. They have no one to talk. They have no one to. They manage no one. And you have people that have four offices and go crazy because they have to manage people. So it all depends on the person. I mean, it works For both sure. ways. Yeah. Like I said, you can make. I know one personal injury attorney only takes six to twelve cases a year makes millions of dollars a year. And I know people that take a lot of cases, right? To make the same amount of money. So it, it all really depends. And, and again, what is what are your goals? If you're a business person at heart and you have a different little side thing you like to do, real estate or uh, cannabis or whatever you're into, do you really need to make $10 million as a lawyer to do that? You're probably making more money doing the other stuff than being a lawyer, right? Yeah. So that's how I look at it. Yeah, love it. Awesome. Well, I love everything you've shared with us tonight. Um, Definitely want to let you get to the rest of your evening, though. So before we close up, we got a quick little game we're going to play with you. Sure. Um, So how it works is we've got a list of 20 questions that we're going to ask you. Uh And you have a minute to answer as many of them as possible. 20, so i got to keep it short, okay? (laughs) Yeah, so just rapid fire. We'll see see how many you can get. All right. Let's see. Awesome. You want to start us off in three, two, one. Your dream vacation. Greece. First thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars. Invest in real estate. Favorite hobby? Spend time with my family. If there was an Olympic competition for everyday activities, what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in? Getting up early before everyone. What song you've been jamming to lately? Song you've been jamming to? Uh, I just heard it on the radio. We're going to be A-O, 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 okay. <laughs> uh, if you lived to be 100, would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self? Oh, the body, of course. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Don't eat ice cream. Favorite fictional character? Michael Corleone. Favorite smell? Mm, don't really have one. What's your nickname? Uh, it's a... It's a... My mom says it's a, It's for Alden, but she uses a Middle Eastern way. She says Al Dooney. <laughs> uh, pet peeve? Disrespect. Favorite restaurant? Well, let's just get it. I got to hear this one. Favorite, 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 favorite Middle Eastern restaurant? Uh, in Arizona? Yeah. Persian Room. Where's that at? Uh, Scottsdale Road. And I think I think uh, south of Frank Lloyd Wright or south of Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. That's my favorite. But my favorite Middle Eastern restaurant is uh, Mom's Kitchen. No one cooks better. so <laughs> She might have to prove that to us. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, she will. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I love Mediterranean food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alan, tell our listeners where they can connect with you, find more out about you, Instagram, social media, cool. the website. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, uh, backslash Yako Law, Facebook, backslash Yako Law, Twitter, backslash Yako Law, LinkedIn, I think it's also Yako Law. Uh, my personal one is uh, Facebook, backslash Alden.Yako, A-L-D-E-N dot Y-A-K-O. Uh, Google me also, and you can find me, you can find the firm there, and you can find all the uh, social media links there. Mm-hmm. And if you have a question, if you have a case, please, if you have a case, give us a call. Uh, we'll help you out. Very reasonable price. And like I mentioned before, we're doing marijuana expungements until the 31st of October, doing it all free. If you guys have any interest also of anyone looking into social equity program, into cannabis, 
give us a call as well. I have a way we can help you out with that too. So yeah, reach out to us anytime you want. And uh, we're just trying to do our best to help you guys out. And really, we really are trying to do, I am really trying to do my best to help you out in your case to get you the best result possible at the best price. And that's it. Awesome. And then you have a 15 minute free consultation call for people that are interested. How, how long is that? 15 minutes. Okay, I thought you said 50. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a man who keeps his word. He's yeah, I was like, I didn't, gonna, I didn't say commit fi- him to 5Z. Yeah, yeah, I didn't say 50. <laughs> yeah, fif- yeah, you get a 15 minute free consultation. If you have a case, please, you know, don't call me. It, it, <laughs> don't, yeah, don't call me and say, is this illegal? Like, call me. If you, <laughs> if you have a case, you've been charged, uh, yes, you will get a free 15 minute consultation. And uh, yeah, we'll try to give you as much information as we can. Uh, and that could help you out and determine if you want to hire us or not. And then we'll go on from there. Perfect. Okay. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate having you on. No problem, guys. Thank you for inviting me. Local Hustles, you guys are the best. Appreciate it. Okay, we'll catch you all next week. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing and helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.